Welcome to the Latinos in Real Estate Investing Podcast, the top information hub for real estate investors and entrepreneurs within the Latino community. Join us on our journey as the host, Martin Perdomo, the elite strategist, talks about how ordinary people can become extraordinary with the power of real estate investing. Here, he and his guests share their expert knowledge on how to create wealth through real estate investing, the mindset required to become a millionaire, and what it takes to master the craft. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in today. And today I got a good friend, my friend, um, Walter Amarello. He's a real estate, he, he goes by the real estate agent alchemist, is that correct? Yeah, man. Walter, right? He's an author of From Broke to um, a Quarter Million. He currently owns 49 units. There you go. Broke to a Quarter Million. Love that cover. Um, he currently owns 49 doors, 49 units. Um, $4 million with 60% in equity. I love that. I really, really love that. I want us to talk about the, I want us to talk about the birth strategy too. I want to get your yeah. thoughts on that and where you think that's going. Um, yeah. Yeah, he does about two to four flips per year, currently runs a real estate team of 25 agents and trains wholesalers on how to find him properties. And we're gonna put all of his contact information in the show notes for you. If you wanna get a hold of him later, we'll, we'll put all that stuff there for you and all of the stuff he has out, his book and his links to his website and all that good stuff. Walter, my brother, man, it's a pleasure to have you, man. It's an honor, I'm, I'm so glad we, we um, so glad we're able to do this. I met I met Walter at the um, at uh, so I move a lot in the in the personal development space as as, as many of you know, and um, I'm always teaching my students Walter that um, when I'm hosting my seminars and workshops, they a lot of people ask me I'm, I'm always talking about hey you take the top five people you, their average income your closest people take their income average it out you're not gonna make a cent over that right. Yep. And um, I'm always talking about my real meetups and my seminars, and I'm always sharing that, right? Yeah. And I'm always asked, well, where do you find them, right? I I'm making $50,000 <laughs> a year. Well, where do I find someone and hang out with someone making 100 grand or 250 grand a year? Well, I'm gonna tell you right now where you find them, right? You go, birds of the same feather flock together, and I'll tell you where we are all the time, and we're constantly learning, growing, and getting better. So put yourself in some seminars, put yourself in some events. I can't tell you how many wonderful, amazing people of which you'll meet through through the show I've met at events like this. And I met Walter, we both were trainers, speakers, and we've done a bunch of stuff together through personal development. My friend, my man, Walter. What's up, brother? Martin, thank you so much, man. I, I love that intro. You bring me in, you make me sound like a rock star. <laughs> And you're giving advice. You're like giving free like bombs, just dropping knowledge. It's true, man. And and to go back, my name is actually pronounced Walter Emerello, and it's Portuguese. Uh, my family's from the Azores. My father came from the islands, and uh, he's actually a little darker than me. So my mom is my mom is full blood American Portuguese, whereas my dad straight up off the boat uh, came over here. Um, Portuguese is first language, and so you mean you have something in common where we're first generation Americans. That's true. Right? Yes, like we didn't have no no wealth dropped on us. There was no uh, history of family living here. Like our families came, had to build something for themselves with no other option. 
And so I think that's where your tenacity comes from. And that's what I love about your podcast. People who are listening are people who have the same exact story. Like America is like their chance for freedom. It's their chance to build wealth. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people are not talking about that to this culture, to, to our community saying, hey, look, you can do more than just get a job. Like this is America. Like you have the opportunity. You, your family came here. You came here to build themselves up. And I think this podcast, what you're doing here is phenomenal because it reaches out to people who just need somebody to say, hey, we're like you and we've become successful because we believe in ourselves and we, we, you know, our family backs us, you know, our family supports us. So even if they don't understand, you know, what we're doing with houses and, and building all this, because uh, they don't, my family didn't understand it. They thought hard work, hard work, hard work. Um, that's what they teach us. That's what they learned. And that's, that's unfortunate when we're breaking. You know, that's what, thankfully, all the training that we go to, all the books. And behind me, I've got uh, 250 books that I've read over the last five years. All these training courses, $85,000 of training. We're just talking about some of the coaches, right? Yeah. Well, you, got, you got these things, right? <laughs> right here, brother. Right here. <laughs> oh, shoot. I got, you know? <laughs> I got them on. My, my DVD fell out. But I got, I got a whole bunch of them right here in my office, too, hanging, man. You know, and you, you put them up there, and it's like, man, like that one cost a thousand, that one cost ten thousand, that one was expensive. That was a hundred dollars. That free one, I got more out of the free one than, than some of the paid ones. And um, so it's it's been a crazy journey. Uh, yeah, forty-seven units. We're looking at taking down another twenty-four. Um, hopefully, in the next three months, we're selling some of our condos. Uh, those flips are uh, we were talking about, it, right? Like rental property is is definitely where our net worth is held. And one of the fallacies, one of the lies that everybody tells you, if you get enough rentals, you can live off them. Like the rentals are good for cash flow once they're paid off. But in the beginning, you know, the rentals don't make much. Like the birth strategy is, it's all about getting your money back out. You're getting your cash back out. Buy, rent, uh, buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat. Like that refinance, nobody tells you it takes a year or two. Like it's, it's not always fast. You know, Martin, have you, have you done a quick refinance ever? <laughs> Dude, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in the middle of one right now. I just got the, I got an email from uh, my last point, my, my recent bird. I just bought a fire property. We just rehabbed it, rented it, and it took me four. It took me four months. But I have a really strong relationship with the community bank in my community. So I mean, I did I did twelve deals last year, and they did one appraisal. Uh, nice. But that we talk about relationships. I have a really strong relationship with my banker here. They know. They know I'm a professional. They know they know my system. They know me well. Yeah. So uh, we talk about. Is that a cash out refi or is that a straight refi? That, that was a burr. So that that real quick. That was a. I bought those. I bought those two doors for twenty eight k. Nice. Um, Fourteen each. It was a fire property. I put forty. Let's call it forty with all the extra surprises and permits and all the, <laughs> uh, you know, all the little stuff. I put two tenants in there. Recent. Um, just just filled it at a thousand each uh, rent. Nice. Section eight, working section eight. I put working section eight in there, and um, we're about to refi. It's now ARV at one fifty. Nice. And so I got sixty five after paying my private money lenders. I'll be seventy seventy one. Nice. Know, back seventy one ten points on what they gave me, and um, so I get little cash out, and yep. the property still cash flowing. So the bill strategy works very well, as you know, Walter, when you buy right, when you buy, you've got to buy right. And that's the key. You've got to buy right. And did you go through, that's a residential property. So you're able to go residential with that. Yeah. No, that's commercial because I buy all my stuff with, um, with LLCs. So it's nice. always commercial. It's never in my name. That's, and that's the way to do it. Commercial is so much more flexible. They, they really play with you the right way. As an investor, you can scale commercial. 
with residential, you get stopped around six houses, 10 houses. I know you said you did 12 deals last year. You're way past that beginning stage. You're not, there's no reason to play with residential anymore. Mm-hmm. And buying an LLC builds your LLC's credit. So what oh, you're wow. doing, like you're playing all the games, man. Like you're playing all the games that rich people play because you can, right? Like there's no, there's no barrier to entry on the rich stuff. You just got to do, you got to learn a, a couple of things. And in your training firms, you give away a lot of these tips, right? I certainly do. I certainly do. But I, you just mentioned learning. And I want, I want to, in our, in, in, in our community, in the Latino culture, right? And in, in, in general, when people, you're a coach, you're an author, you're a coach, you're a speaker, you're a certified speaker, trainer. Um, when, when we talking to people, Walter, you know, when you're talking to news or you're talking to anyone, basically in this business that wants to come in this business, what's the biggest, what's the biggest challenge is they don't know is the education and people need to realize that they, they want to play this game. You first need to learn. You first need to educate yourself. You want to elaborate a little bit on that, Walter? Cause I know I was watching one of your shows the other day with your coach yeah. where you learned and, and I'm not talking about university here, ladies and gentlemen, please let's be clear. I'm talking about, talk about personal development stuff and I'm talking about specialized knowledge, like specialized knowledge like this stuff, right? We were just talking about niches to get richer. So can you elaborate a little bit on that, my brother? Yeah, so it's, it's yeah, so the coaching, right? Over $85,000 what I've spent now on coaching. This is besides college, right? I never, I never did college, didn't pass. I mean, I had a 4.0 in like the six classes I took, right? So this, the training that you're learning in these events and from your coaches is, it's almost unlearning. It's like unlearning the garbage, getting rid of the garbage because the most dangerous thing is not what you think you know. It's what you think you know that's just not so, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's the knowledge that you don't have correct in your head. You think you have it. You think you're right. You think you know what you're talking about. And then when you go into actions and doing the wrong things, it's because the results come from bad programming. Mm-hmm. It's not a new skill set you need to learn. It's a new way to think. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what you learn in, in programs like yours, like mine, because we've been trained to teach people the actual mindset piece Correct. to real estate investing, to building wealth. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not what you don't know. It's what you think you know that's just not so. That'll get mm-hmm. you in trouble. That's deep, man. That's good stuff. That's really, really wise words, brother. Really wise words. So I, I, I like you to take us a little bit to the beginning, like, cause, right? Because I know you, you what age, did, well, you were born here, right? Uh, your parents are uh, from Portuguese. First American, uh, your firstborn American, like me. Yeah. Um, so, uh, tell us, brother, who was who was Walter in in, in high school? Um, tell us the journey. Why real estate? Who, who were you in high school? Did you like math? Did you were you the popular kid? Were you the nerdy kid? Who were you in high school? Tell us about that. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, all right, Martin. So we'll go back. <laughs> no, I was not the popular kid. That's for damn sure. Uh, right. So I was actually pulled out of school uh, early on. So my, my mom didn't like the teachers. I was getting picked on at school. So in second grade, my mom actually pulled me out and she started teaching me. I was homeschooled. So I had no like social skills, no, uh, no friends, right? So it was uh, really weird. All I had was the Portuguese community. All I had was like the kids in the community from the Azores who uh, like after school, they'd get out and like I could play with them for a little bit. Uh, but I definitely, I could never really relate to anybody who went to school. And when I was in high school, right, like I was uh, such a nerd. I loved science, but I hated history. I hated English. 
Uh, I hated math. I hated all the stuff that was going to make you successful. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up going to college a little bit early, dropped out, like just dropped out and started working. Cause that's what, you know, my culture was all about. It was work, 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 work hard, so I, work hard. hard. And the harder I thought I worked, the more I'd make. And it, I just, I remember being so young, you know, 21 years old, just getting that first job that was $22 an hour in a sweatshop, right? It was just like basically That's a lot of money at 21 years old, $22 an hour back. Because <laughs> I started doing the math, man. I started uh, doing the math. And I was like, shit, like the only way I'm going to get richer is if I do work that nobody else wants to do. And that's how I was going to get paid. So I went from $12 an hour to $21 an hour. And I started grinding and uh, for two years, I was there, and I just I felt it in my bones and my body. Like, this was heavy labor. This was What were you labor. doing? I was working for a bakery, and it's a commercial bakery. And they, they service, they sell bread, right? 500-pound racks. And I grabbed two in one hand, two in the other hand. So I'm work, walking with a ton, a, a full ton, around the warehouse on wheels. And some of the wheels don't work and spin you all over the place. Oh, and, you know, and I was 140 pounds. I'm not a big dude, right? <laughs> So I was this tiny guy running around with these racks and just every day was beating up my body. I knew I couldn't do it forever. And so I had to, I had to learn something new. So I went to college for like six classes, realized this wasn't for me. And I just started jumping jobs, jumping jobs, jumping jobs, jumping jobs. And eventually I met somebody who said, Hey, real estate's the way I built my wealth. He was, a, he had a million dollars worth of real estate, mm -hmm. a house in Boston, a house in Florida and a house on the Cape. And I like, my eyes just were like, up, that's huh? not real. <laughs> like, like I'd read about real estate and I was, the numbers never made sense to me. Like, how is this possible? Right. Uh -huh. And when, when finally he said, you know, a million dollars and these houses all over the place, I was just like, whoa, like something's different here. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, so, so then what? So, so you, you met this guy. Um, he, he told you about these three houses. You were working in this, you, basically a sweatshop. That's what yeah. they teach us, right? That's what our family teaches us. We're your first one, first, first generation born is work hard, you know, work hard and make more, be happy, pay your bills. That's bull crap that, that you and I have broken that curse. We're breaking that curse because we're working smart, not hard, right? right? We learned this skill. Um, so, so then how did you get into your first deal? Tell us about that. How did, how do you transition from, how does one transition from, working in a bakery, because I'm sure there's listeners right now, maybe driving a truck, uh, maybe they're in a cab, uh, maybe they're working two jobs, and they're like, how do I get out of this trap, and how do I create leverage for myself, the way you've done for yourself with those 40, 47 doors, you said. Yep. Um, yeah, maybe they're doing construction or, or bar Yeah, or construction or, or something like that, right? Or yep. the waiter somewhere. And how do you get out of that? So what happened to you, my brother? How did you go from bakery to the alchemist. So, <laughs> I love that. So, <laughs> so grinding out with the bakery to the alchemist. There you go. Yep. So the so bakery to the author, bro, that's a big deal, man. And that, 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 that's, that's inspiring. And that to broke to no a college, climate. no mm -hmm. college, uh, failed English, mm -hmm. but became a number one best-selling author of a book. Awesome. Right? Brother. How, to, how to make a million dollars broke to a quarter million, uh, and, and, and a speaker and a trainer <laughs> and a coach. Seriously, I know because we've been to school. To, we've been to some of the to, to some nope. trainings together, right? And that training, so, that, like that training, was so intensive, and what they taught us was so powerful to help people move forward. And and honestly, Martin, I'm so blessed to have met you and, and be able to spend share this time together. Like watch you grow, and what you've done. Uh, 
Yeah, man. Like yeah, it's the same here, man. We've both seen each other grow since since we did uh, our training, man. Since we since we, uh, you know, again to going back to what I said at the beginning, the importance of birds of the same feather flock together. So you yeah. you want to be around eagles, then you want to fly with the eagles, then go hang with them, go be where they are. And I, I'm telling you where we are. We are we are at events. That's where you know and. You know, we're at, we're at seminars. We're constantly learning and constantly getting better because we know how much we, what we know is really how much we don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, we don't know about the BS anymore. We're like, we're real about what we do know and that's it. Yeah. So, so tell us, brother, tell us, how does, how do you go from baker to author to speaker to trainer? (laughs) How do you go from that, man? Because there's people out there that are saying, Hey, I want that for me too. How do I do that? How do I become an influencer? How do I become a coach? How, How do I get... How do I get 20 doors? How do I get 10 doors? How do I get my, how do I get $500 a month in cash flow? Shit, you know what I mean? I like to get $500 in cash flow so I could pay my car payment, right? Just yeah. to leverage that. So tell us, how do you go from that? How do you do that? You're right. And it, it all starts with that first one. It starts with that first thought, that first desire, the dream to say, hey, you know, I'm worth more than this. I can do something. And it's testing it out. Now, obviously, like what I've built and what you've built comes from scaling that one thought, that one process. Um, and the, the 47 units, it didn't happen overnight, right? My first one was a three family. Well, well, actually, my first one was a single family. Didn't work out for me. I sold it, but it was a flip. It turned into a flip. I took that 34,000 and I rolled it into, and that was the first big check I ever seen, man. Like $34,000 used to take me a year to make that. That's a lot of money for most people in one shop, brother. That's still a lot of money. That's still a nice chunk. That's a nice hit, man. That's a nice hit. You know, and it, but I was living in the house, paying basically paying a mortgage, same as I would have anyway. It was just, you know, the girlfriend at the time said, hey, I'd rather, uh, instead of getting married, why don't we go buy a house? And, you know, she agreed with me. And I was like, yeah, let's go do that. Four years later, we sold that. It was like a move-in flip, bought a three-family, bought a two-family the year after. Uh, then I went through the divorce, and that set me back uh, 25K. But she deserved it. You know, I gave her her piece, and she kept, let me keep the houses uh, which I then refinanced a year later, pulled, you know, Burr strategy, like we were talking earlier, pulled mm-hmm. 40 grand out. And I, I gave my brother some to start his business, uh, a fitness gym called Amp Academy in the city. And then I took the rest and I rolled it into buying three more properties. I just, a, boom, a three family, a four family, uh, another three, fa- a single family, subject to existing financing, right? Like uh, partnering up FHA, owner occupied and um, a seller finance deal. And just like, didn't have a ton of money to go with it, but it was just getting into this creative financing. I was obsessed with uh, Bigger Pockets, Brandon Turner, like like reading all the books and seeing how do you sell a finance, how do you subject to, how do you um, do a wraparound mortgage, like how do I work all these deals? And it started flowing. And before you know it, dude, I just woke up one day, I had 22 units, and my net worth was a million dollars. And it was just like, man, like I cannot believe that at 28 years old, I was looking at committing suicide and now at 32 years old, like I'm, I'm like the king of the world, right? <laughs> like how does four years take, like now I'm training to people really off, that, like educating that, and it's really that fast, brother. I want to, I want to talk about, cause you went, you went, you went, you, you went fast. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk. I want, I want to, I want to, I want to unpack that a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So I want to talk about the law of the first deal, right? So you bought your first property yeah. and then after you bought your first property, it turned into being a flip. And then you you flipped it. You made some money. You bought your you bought your first investment, like really intentionally with investment, right? As an yeah. investment. 
after you did that, you said, then I bought the next one, then I bought the next one, then I bought the next one. So I want to encourage people, okay? I want to, I want to, I want to just, I want to talk about what happened to you in your mindset. What happened, what happened in your head, right? What was the conversation in your head after you said, okay, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to run these numbers. I'm going to buy this as an investment property to cash flow. Yeah. Um, and then you went, and four years later, you had a bunch of, you had a bunch of units, right? Yeah. Um, what happened? Because there's the law of the first deal. So tell me how you overcame, how, what was the discussion yeah. in your head? How you overcame that little fear? Because you know there's always that little fear of, yep. oh, shit, this might not work out or this or that. You know what I mean? Tell us about that. Yeah, that's in. Thank you, Mara, for uh, getting me on track. It's okay. it was actually a mentor that took me through it. And um, my first real estate agent was my first mentor. And he started talking me through and saying, hey, because he already owned buildings. This is what I, I genuinely believe. If you're going to get a mentor, make sure they're doing what you're, you're trying to do. Yes. He had 13 units. And uh, I was lucky that he was not just an agent. He was an investor. Like getting that investor agent was key because not only could he like show me the properties, he could really analyze it for me. And he was owning in my city. So he was a good quality uh, person to be working with. So it was that first deal where he was like, Hey, uh, this, this is one that if you don't take it, I will. He's like, I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. This is something I want to buy, but because I showed it to you first, I owe you that. Like I have to give you the right, because you know, that's my, uh, that's my job requirements, how I operate. And I'm not gonna, I don't need anybody ever talking about me saying, Hey, I didn't give him an opportunity. So he said that to me and I, I decided, okay, like this is the one, like I'm going to go in on this. I'm going to go in hard. I'm going to go in fast. And I was terrified. Like I was absolutely terrified, Martin. Like I kept going back to the thought of, okay, he said it's a good deal. He's willing to buy it. So, okay, that, that means it's a good deal. Like, all right, I'm going to go do this. But like over and over my head being like, man, like, what am I getting into? You know, what am I getting into? What if something breaks? Like, like what if something happens? And it was so terrifying uh, and then it was a short sale, so it didn't close right away. So then, you know, every month I'm like, Hey, what's going on? You why is it closing? Are you sure? Like, like freaking out, right? So how did you get over the hump? How did you, how did you talk yourself into, Hey, screw it. I'm just going to take it. I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to do it. What did you do? What was that conversation? Like, was it a conversation with your mentor? Was, yeah. what was that? What happened there? Yeah. Every time I would call him, he would tell me, Hey, this is how it works. Yeah. It's, it's standard. It's common. Uh, he, he used these words that I use them now, right? <laughs> when dealing with clients is, hey, this is common. This is very standard. This happens all the time. Yep, this is part of the process. Don't worry about it. This is how things go. And he was almost like my therapist, you know, talking me off the crazy ledge of, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to back out. And then there was just something inside of me that said, look, this is how wealth is built. You know, you're seeing it in other people. You're seeing it. This is how wealth is built. Like, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And that was one thing that he said to me early on that kept reminding me that if it was easy, everybody would do it. And every time I felt fear, I thought, man, like if, if everybody else is feeling fear like this, they must be backing out. And so every time I feel fear, just think of it as a barrier, like one more barrier that if I can get past this, then that's that many more people I don't have to compete with ever. And so that fear kept it fueling me. Like every time I saw it, I was like, oh my God, like this is terrifying. I'd be like, Oh shit, other people must be experiencing this. And mm. once I get past this, I'll be tougher than them. And it's how I'm gonna be able to build my business. Where did that mindset where was that mindset born? Was that mindset born just naturally, or did you did you did you read that somewhere? 
where did that come from? Was that just your spirit inside of you, just your intuition guiding you that, hey, this is something that your spirit gave you, or is this is something that you learned or read or you heard someone say, hey, fear, you got to dance with fear, right? Because Tony Robbins, one of my mentors, he says, you got to dance with fears. <laughs> you got to dance that. with fears. You got to get, it's like uh, Tai Chi. Is it Tai Chi, the one that you go into? Yeah, when you're yeah. fighting, you, Bring oh, close. Yep. You, you, you get in, you get close, whatever, you dance yep. with your fears. So tell me, where did you learn that? Where, was, was that spiritual? Where, where did it come from? I love that. So going back to my dad, my dad, um, you know, he may not have been the smartest guy or the richest guy. Um, you know, he always made the same amount of money growing up. And to this day, he's a hard worker. Although he's, he's really shifting his mindset now. Back then, he used to put it in my head that whatever you do, do it with everything you've got. And just know that anytime, anytime something gets tough for you, somebody else is having a harder time with it. And mm. so when you can get past it, you've become better. And so he, he had this, uh, this saying that he, he would give me. It's like, well, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Yeah, the fact yeah. that it's not easy means that once you get good at it, it's easy for you. Now you're, you're just notched up. And he would say, well, son, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And anytime he'd say that to me, I'd be like, oh, like, let's go. <laughs> and I, I don't know how he put it in my head, but like anytime I hear somebody else say that, I think of my dad saying, hey, if it was easy, every, everybody would do it. And that like oh, has always inspired me. Like hearing that sentence from my mentor, like, boom, like, I don't think he knew the effect it had on me because that was something only my dad put into me. Mm -hmm. And so like going back to my dad's work ethic, like he believed that, like, if this was easy, mm -hmm. that's why we get paid what we're paid because it's hard. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the harder something got, the more I, th I was like, okay, there must be more money on the other side of this. 100%. So I, 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 we're flipping the higher the risk, the higher the rewards, right? I, my, yeah. my rentals are, I looked at a property yesterday. It was $50,000 worth of work, $45,000 worth of work. So you can imagine duplex. I mean, it's just like almost a, a total gut. Uh, and that's, and that's it, man. So, so your father taught you that. And I want to, I wanted to share this with our listeners because sometimes guys, sometimes um, as Latinos and immigrants, right, our parents, as a young person, and you can probably relate with this, my brother, is that we look at our parents and they don't know English, right? Like, I remember as a young man, I was like, I was a translator, dude. I remember. Nope, nope. And then my mom would get a letter, an IRS letter, or some crazy government letter, and she'd be like, and I'm eight, and she'd be like, read me this letter. And I'm like, wow. These are some words I don't know. <laughs> Nope. You know what I mean? uh, but anyways, you know, as a young person, we, we think that um, we think a lot of times that our parents are, are, are not that smart, right? Because right. they don't know English or they don't know the culture. And we do. And we live here. We speak to yeah. language and all of this stuff. And um, but they're not, man. They're, they're still older than us. And they still instill a lot of valuable, valuable, valuable things inside of us. Yeah. And some of like, like what your dad gave you, you know, he didn't give you this particular skill, but he gave you, he put inside of you the drive, the power to power through the fear, bro. And that's, that's, uh, that's, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. And that's, that's really what all this is about, right? Like taking our advantage, right? Looking at, looking at the way our parents came over here, that hustle they had, like, it's scary to go to a new country, right? Like your parents are badass to have done it and think like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to learn a new language. I'm going to learn a new skill. Like I'm going to go to a whole new environment where nobody's going to accept me. And I'm fighting all these, these challenges. Like we can't take away that they're like, maybe they don't know like superficial stuff, like the culture, mm -hmm. but what they do know is the grind. 
right? Like they, they know the grind harder than anybody else, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so taking that and, and with the advantage of, you know, understanding and having some of these gifts and the technology that wasn't available to them, like I have on my wall, uh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Right. Like that's something I look up there and I see it every day and it's like, yeah, you're right. Like, like I will out grind anybody. I don't have to be special or talented or have anything better than anybody else. Like I'll just out grind them. Right. Whether it's reading that next book, whether it's taking on that new skill, like, like crushing fear faster, like we will just out grind the competition. Right. They might yeah. be talented. They might've been born in this country. They might have millions of dollars in the back of them up. They might have the rich family. They might have the family who has knowledge in real estate, mm -hmm. but that's okay. Cause while they're sleeping, we're grinding. Right. Well, the, while they're like on a boat, enjoying themselves, we're out working them. Like we're out, we're figuring it out. We're practicing our skills. You know, we're reaching out to our community saying, Hey, how do we do this? You know? yeah. yeah. This is a team sport, man. Mm -hmm. This is a team sport, brother. So now you have 47 units. Tell us, um, I, I want to shift a little bit into the current situation. Yeah. Um, so you got 47 units, you're seasoned, you're an author, you've got all these things going on. Um, where do you, what do you see, um, the opportunities within real estate, uh, coming up? So we're in 2020, right? We just passed COVID, yeah. uh, pandemic. Tell me, brother, what do you see in your opinion? What are you seeing? What are you seeing the potential threats and potential opportunities, um, coming ahead? I love the way you worded that. So threats and opportunities, that's, that's what it is. So the, the challenge is the job market's shifting. And the challenge is the quantity of easing that just came in is going to deflate our dollar uh, a year. Well, right now it's deflated the dollar. So values of the dollar have gone up. You can buy a lot more stuff. It's really great. But a year or two from now, we're going to see the inflation take over. They just pumped in $6 trillion into the economy. Well, it's an economy that always ran $2.8 So they just tripled the amount of money, which means the dollar's value is going to drop. It's going to have to. It has to, yes, so, Go ahead. Yep. No, no, no. I'm just repeating it. It has to. Yes. Go ahead. Keep going. I don't want to it has to. And so we're going to see, you know, the price of milk triple, right? We're going to see everything double, triple, including real estate. It's going to become harder to get. I think right now we're in a new bottom. I think we're in a, a bottom that was created by the government, by interest rates dropping, by all this uh, quantitative easing going in. There was a crash coming, and I think they just pushed the crash into the future. Now it's going to be a hard crash. It's going to be a nasty crash, but it's not today. Today is time to hustle. Today is time to grind. Okay, so that's an interesting thought, brother, because you said you, you said that you think we're in the new bottom. This is a yeah. bottom. Holy smokes. Wow. Yeah. Um, I got to wrap my brain around that. Because, you know, we just came back. Yeah, no, seriously, I got to wrap my brain around that because if you think about it, you know, we're in this space, you and I. You, you have agents, right? You have a bunch of agents you work with. And, and you know, as well as I know, um, in this space, we just got back and the market is hot, man. Like, it's yeah. like nothing happened, you know. It's never like, turned off. Like, yep. like, holy smokes. Like it was the light switch. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. Right. I wasn't really expecting that, but it, it just is. So it's, it's kind of difficult to get my, to wrap my brain around that concept of, yeah, it's a new bottom, but in a way I can see what you're saying and it, and it makes kind of sense with inflation and, and things. So, so what opportunities do you see? So that's the threat, right? That's the threat inflation. That's the threat. Let's talk about opportunities. So what opportunities do you see brother? So every threat brings an opportunity with it. So right now, agency transacting is where a lot of money is going to be. We're going to see a explain, lot of money in transacting. Explain that. Explain that. Explain what agency transacting means for those okay. that may not, that might be listening and don't know what that means. 
Yep. So right now, real estate agents going out and buying and selling properties for the people at a commission, there's a ton of money in it because that's transactions, right? Just money changing hands. That means money is going to be uh, happening. So as prices go up in value, people are being made millionaires overnight. Like you just see your house, you bought it at water mill and now it's worth 300,000. Now it's worth 350, two or three years from now. I think all of these houses in good areas are going to double in value. And I believe that as this has happened, this is 100% speculative, but that's what inflation does. So as these properties are going up in value, people are going to start, you know, making, you know, 50,000, 100,000. I say, you know, why don't I just sell it? And I think we're in a new 2004, 2005, 2006. Where's that in my mouth? Yeah. 2000, early 2000s. Yeah. Because as this inflation goes, people are going to say, wow, like, look at real estate. This is nuts. We're back down at the bottom. We're back down at a new bottom. We're back at 08. And think 2016 is coming, right? Where it's like, man, everybody wants to jump into real estate. 2016, 2017, 2018, mm -hmm. where it just made sense to buy real estate. And we were due for a crash and the government pushed it out. They put the quantitative easing in place. They yeah. put 0% interest in place. And they pushed it out. Now, when the crash does come, it's, it's going to be like a great depression, you know, like dark times. So now's the time to hustle. Now's the time to buy real estate, get your foot in the door, get something, build something. Uh, rents are going to be on the rise. We're going to see them on, a, on the rise. Like we've never seen them before. Like if you're not raising rents every single year, you're missing out. Yeah. Like that's that's minimum three and a half percent at minimum. Yeah. Or oh, we're, we're talking higher, man. We're, we're talking a level of inflation that we've never, they've never, they've never put this much money in the system at one single time. Hmm. That's interesting, brother. So, um, so if you're new and you're listening to this or you're, you're a veteran, what are you suggesting? Are you suggesting that, um, you should be buying right now? Is this a buyer's market right now? Are you, is your, your prediction is, Hey, this is the time to buy. Cause the market's hot, man. Inventory is low. We, I mean, I know mm -hmm. here in my area inventory is like, we've never seen inventory this low. Yeah. And before you answer that, I just want to share a thought with you. Yep. This, that, that very thought kind of makes me nervous. And I'm going to tell you why. Because yep. it reminds me of 2008. I was in the business. I was just starting out investing. I was in the mortgage business. Yep. And it reminds me of 2008. And it's that scarcity mindset of, let's go. Everyone's buying real estate. Everyone's buying real estate. And then you make bad decisions. I made them. I know yep. I made them. Um, and I bought, you know, you buy you buy because everyone else is doing it, but you're not buying using your own intellect and running your own numbers and making sure that the proper cash rate and so yeah. on and so forth. So that, that makes me a little bit, bit nervous because yeah. I, I lived through that crap. Yeah. You know, I went through that cycle. Yeah. So go ahead, brother. Tell me, tell me, is that, what are you suggesting? Are you suggesting that, Hey, you need to be looking at real estate in this way. Um, what, what are you suggesting? So if somebody could go back with a crystal ball and say, Hey, this is 2006. You'd play different. You'd play different. Maybe you'd run a few flips, you know, maybe you'd buy yeah. some stuff that if the market turned, no problem. Like buy multifamilies, buy them with cash flow. If the market turned, great. If the if markets goes up a year from now, boom, you turn them and you sell them and you, you roll that into safer assets. And that's, that's the strategy we see coming. Now we do see commercials getting beat up right now. Commercial is the market that tenants just stopped paying, right? Multifamily, we did well. And even though COVID, like people were, you know, some tenants stopped paying. Once they allow us to evict, we're evicting those tenants. We already know that, hey, you know what? Service industry is not something we want for a tenant anymore. And so that shift is out there happening. And what we're seeing as far as commercial goes, there's no solution for commercial. 
In fact, this little COVID thing just made everybody realize we don't need office space anymore. Ooh. It just made everybody realize like we don't need retail space anymore. Fuck, like Amazon made my life better. You know, like it, there's so many pieces to like now the COVID made me start ordering food online, right? Food now gets dropped off at my house because wow. it saves me an hour or two of shopping. Mm-hmm. And so like I just pumped up Amazon way more. Everybody else is spending more money on Amazon and killing retail, crushing retail right now. So all those buildings are going to come on the market. And I think that the only discounts we're going to see in multifamily are going to be from the guys who own commercial and multifamily. And they're going to be selling their multis at a profit to cover up for the losses they're taking on the commercial buildings. Ooh, that's a good, that's a great thought, brother. I never and thought And they're going mm-hmm. to either hold on to those commercial buildings and switch them over to residential or go into micro commercial, chopping them up a little bit smaller, getting more boutique shops. If you're in the Boston market, if you're in uh, LA, like if you're in markets that you have thriving communities, uh, Tampa, Miami, like, you know, Atlanta, like those communities, you, I could see micro commercial working, but you get out into the, the suburbs, you know, what are those big shopping centers going to be? The only thing that's yep. going to really be there in the future, like during COVID, right? Nobody's going to shopping centers. It yep. was, hey, just have it sent to me. So I think that the future holds something very similar for us where, you know, why do I really need to waste my time going out when I could just stay home? Mm-hmm. And multifamily will become the, the retail of the future. It's going to become the big commercial building of the future is converting over. And I think we're going to see micro units. Um, we're seeing Warren Buffett and Sam Zell move into um, the trailer parks, trailer homes. I think we're going to see people's housing become smaller because as inflation occurs, you still need a place to live. But just like in, in the major cities, you see people living, you know, hey, renting bedrooms instead of renting a full apartment. We're going to see micro units become very popular and the commercial buildings converted over to micro units, to dorm style. Studios will be more popular. And so something I've always fought on multifamily was smaller units. I love two bedroom, three bedroom, four bedroom. Uh, now we're, we're looking at the one bedroom and studios and saying, you know what, maybe that's an inventory worth holding because even though the rents are lower, I think that more people are going to need it. And we just don't pay what we pay for a three family, right? Like the big three bedrooms. So that, that trend I think is going to be the future. People are going to need more affordable housing and affordable housing is a great place to be. You get good quality people who just want a place to live and maybe can't afford more. I think as quantitative easing crushes the economy, uh, that's that's where people are going to be moving to. They're not going to be in luxury. Luxury is dangerous right now. Like to be owning luxury. Yeah. I think that's where people are going to move away from and move into uh, more affordable housing. Just be happier with community. People are going to focus more on lifestyle. They're going to focus more on lifestyle since they can't seem to find the money to get the things they want. They're going to focus more on what's important to them, which is time with family, uh, the outdoors, activities, things that don't cost money. And I think we're going to go into this more separated, you know, super wealthy and super poverty. But I think the people who are poor are actually going to be happy that way. I think that they're going to find a way to be happy on less, on nothing. Uh, it's going to be like the 70s, right? A bunch of hippies uh, going around spreading peace and love. Um, but that, that creates opportunities for us as real estate investors to give them a place to live at a super affordable rate. So, you know, the guys from... Um the bigger pocket guys. I forget his name. Um, uh, Brandon Turner and Brandon, uh, Brandon. So Brandon, Brandon Turner, uh, he buys a lot of mobile homes and I was, I've been looking into mobile home parks. Yeah. Uh, because there is an affordable housing crisis. Yep. It, 
pre-COVID, there was an affordable housing crisis. Is why I, I like. This is why I play personally in the Section Eight space. Yep. I like it. A lot of investors don't. I'm good with it because I have a system that works for me. Right. Um, you know how we vet them and all that. Um, but we were in a pre-COVID in a in a in a crisis, uh, affordable home, affordable housing crisis. Now with inflation coming. Or everything you said, brother, makes a lot of sense. It makes a mm-hmm. ton of sense. Um, you know, I have some, I have uh, my office here where I did uh, that strategy. Uh, and, I, and I created micro suites. And nice. I, I created a, I, I did a video on social media not too long ago. Month one, brother, month one. So I have six micro suites back there. Literally, it's desk, internet, all inclusive for $350. It's perfect. plug and play. It's perfect. But check this out. The first month, the first month of COVID, so we been, we went out ninety days, right? Total lockdown, right? about ninety days. No, about ninety days. Yeah, three months, right? The first month, I lost two. First month, yep. done out of business, and that gave me a realization to the point that you just made. Holy shit! Um, retail and office space is gonna get is after this is gonna hurt. Because um, there was a survey made, and I don't know if you if you if you read this. I read that there was a survey made that employees, the companies found that employees are are twenty percent more productive working from home than from the office. So now you're a business owner. We're both business owners. We're thinking, well, why do I need this big space when I'm getting more production? They don't have to come in. So all of this stuff is going to affect. My question is, brother, what? are we going to do with all of this commercial space and all this retail commercial space, right? Cause Amazon's crushing these big companies and Walmart, these big companies. What yeah. are we going to do with this, with all this space? We're going to be, have a bunch of white elephants all over town. Yep. Um, so what happens brother? What do you think? What do you see? Yeah. When that happens with all this office spaces and all these retail space, all these commercial retail. That's where we're going to see the foreclosures. That's where we're going to see the foreclosures. That's where we're going to see buildings taken back. And um, I think it's going to be pretty bad. I think that we're going to see uh, these big, beautiful buildings that were once booming and, and productive uh, become worth almost nothing. And the banks are going to hold them for a few years. You're going to see the most beautiful parts of your city just overgrown and, and looking terrible. These big commercial buildings until the city steps in and forces the sale and forces the banks to take the loss. And at that point, we're going to see those buildings convert over to multifamily. Uh, we're going to see the, the government jump in, give opportunity zone grants again, and give people the opportunity to go and convert to multifamily because that's in a down economy. What does the government want most? They need to house people and they don't want a country full of people without housing. And that's where they're going to, like, they just did it right now. They subsidize housing, right? They said, Hey, here's 600 bucks or 1200 bucks. Use it for rent. That's what they told us to do. Go use it for rent because that was, that's the biggest expense. And so, um, the government programs I think are going to increase uh, and they're going to have to allow for people to go and convert. And it's, you know, we're talking five, six years down the road, but it's one of those things we're going to start seeing these big, massive buildings in the most beautiful parts of our city uh, overgrown and lights out and sitting vacant for a little while. And the cities that figure it out fastest and force the banks to sell quickest are going to be the cities that recover quickly. I think major cities will figure it out fast. Major cities probably won't have a major issue, because they have strong economies. It's the outskirts cities, the gateway communities. They're the ones that are going to suffer the most because they don't have the growing population. That's an interesting perspective. Um, 
it's interesting you talked about the government giving money. So I read that whole, the HR 748, I read the whole 880 pages when that bill came out. And there's something dug in there that a lot of investors don't know. And I want to share it here um, with you because you said it, the government's going to step in. The government gave 1.2, put in there, not, um, put in that bill $1.25 billion for subsidized housing for Section 8. Yep. And the way it reads is until um, the funds are depleted. So they're going to use it. It's, it's to be used because, again, the government wants to take, doesn't want people in the streets. And we need, right. who, what country wants their people homeless, right? We, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, what it, where is the opportunity for investors? We're, if we're thinking, me and you are investors, or we have a listener out there, right, that's like, you know what? Uh, Walter's making a lot of sense. I mean, what he's saying is, you know, it's logical, you know. You know me, Walter, I'm, I'm a critical thinker, so I, I like to look at things from different perspective and, and analyze thing, things. But what you're saying makes a lot of sense, my brother. So I'm listening, and I'm saying, well, Walter's saying makes a ton of sense. How can I, how can I prepare to take advantage of the opportunity, right? Because yeah. we also have another crisis in our country, and that's the crisis of the, the debt crisis. So um, Ray Dalio predicted that the next crisis was going to be um, a, uh, a credit card debt. It was going to be a, a credit card debt crisis. The previous one was a mortgage crisis. He predicted this one was going to be a credit card debt crisis. So when you take all that stuff into consideration, my, my, my question to you, my brother, is, where, how can we prepare, right? How can maybe a, a, a person listening or a Latino that's working in, you know, at a bakery, you, yep. a few years ago, me, you know, a few years ago, just working, you know, just working my business. How can, where's the opportunity? How, what advice would you give to prepare for someone like me that wants, someone like us, back like us, before, pre all of this, before all this here, yeah, before, world. Yep. Yeah, be, before, before we knew what we knew, where would we start? How do we prepare to take advantage of the opportunity? Yeah, so, yeah, I just thought, uh, this is really good stuff, so I want to push my next appointment another 10 minutes so we can, okay. uh, we can do this. Uh, the opportunity right now, really, and, and you're right, to put that much tension around it and make sure that people understand how valuable this, this content is, mm -hmm. the opportunity is to actually go out, get your dollar bills, and put them into an asset that pays you. Like that, that right now, your money goes way further, but this is not go out and buy a single family. This is not go out and just buy random real estate or go buy land, or this is go out and buy something that cash flows. Buy a multifamily that cash flows and put that little bit of like that notch where you can say, okay, from now on, as the dollar goes down in value, my assets go up in value. Mm -hmm. Buying a multifamily or buying a single family and renting it out, uh, buying anything near a college and then renting out the doors, what, whatever you got to do to cash flow off of a piece of real estate and not relying on Airbnb, not relying on uh, like businesses, like properties that are based on where people are going to go and travel and vacation to because the future doesn't really hold a lot of that potentially. And that's sound advice. And we want to make sure that you're building a stable environment. This is the time to take that second job. This is time to go to college, but maybe not college, but take on that, the training course to learn a new business, learn a new hustle, um, taking marketing school, uh, marketing talents or sales uh, courses going out and learning real estate, even just getting into the trade, like anything you're talking about being a mortgage broker or being a real estate agent or 
uh, going out and, and wholesaling or flipping, just getting some sort of knowledge base where you're getting paid for it too. Um, those, those pieces right now, because I don't know what trades are going to be here after all this. I think that we're moving away from Americans having jobs. Even me, I'm hiring virtual assistants because they're cheaper and they, they do just as much work. And so I think that if you're not in a, in a business that owns assets, if you don't create a business where you're locking yourself in, you're in, in some serious trouble in the future. And then just like in 2006, it's not the time to buy the big house. It's not like, even though you feel like your money is going a far distance right now, put it into an asset. Do it what your friends don't want you to do. Uh, don't buy the big car. Don't buy the boat. Yeah, money's cheap right now, but it's about to go dry and it will happen slow. But when it does, it's going to be like just running into a wall. Mm -hmm. And now is the time to either save your cash. But remember, a year from now, inflation is going to hit your dollar bills so hard. So stack up the cash while it's easy this next 12 months. You said 34, uh, 39 months, stacking up cash and then rolling into real estate investments. Even if you just buy one this year, just one multifamily or one house you can rent out. The key is don't move into that house. Stay renting because rent is, is going to take a little while for older landlords to catch up. The smart landlords who have to make rent, who just bought property, they're going to raise rents fast. Mm -hmm. But if you're in a, in a landlord's house where they're willing to you know, keep rents because they're afraid of losing tenants, the rent will stay low. You want to be renting out whatever you just bought and stack up that cash, house hack, do whatever it takes. But I believe in renting where you live and living, uh, well, well, rent out what you own. My right? brother, right on. Let me, let me tell you. So I, I know you only got, we got a few minutes before we wrap this up. Cause you gotta get to yeah. me. We gotta, we gotta do another, we gotta go again, right? We're going to have yeah. another interview, but let me tell you, man, you just totally went against the grain of everything that has been taught to us. I just want to, I'm going to call you on that. Um, I know because I teach the same exact thing and yeah. it's like, what rent? And cause we're taught the American dream. Right. And yeah. I just, I want you to take, I want you to take a quick moment to educate people as to why it makes more sense yeah. to stay renting for as long as you can and take your money and invest it in a real estate property that's going to create cash flow coming in. So you're going to put it in an asset that's going to bring money in versus take money out yep. and, and explain. I, mean, I did a video on this not too long ago. Uh, I just replaced the roof of my house and I was like, okay guys, <laughs> it's just cost me 10 grand. Is my home an asset or a liability? Right. And most people said it was an asset and we both know that it, it's not. <laughs> right. Um, Luxury, yeah. <laughs> so let let uh, please 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 educate us and tell us why um yeah. that makes a lot more sense, especially especially man, especially in what's coming ahead mm -hmm. with um with the potential of a, a recession and a and a and a, and a and a and a bad downturn coming ahead. Yep. Why that makes more sense, please, brother. Share some light. Cool. So with a downturn coming ahead, you can always find cheaper rents to live in. With, with a mortgage, you're going to be stuck with that mortgage. And then every dollar you put into it, you're going to lose it in a foreclosure. So like, that's one negative reason to live where you live. The asset will be paid off. If somebody else is renting that house, the asset's getting paid off. You can go move around to cheaper rent. You can find a cheaper place to live. You can move in with somebody. You're not stuck there. And so there's this one piece already where that building is paying for itself. You just did that roof. That roof is paid for by the tenants, right? So it makes sense. It's paying for itself in the yard if, and everything. If there. it were, if it were one of my rentals, I was in my house. Yeah, yeah. You know, my home. That that's different. 
Yeah. So if it was one of your rentals, they're paying it off. They're they're paying for the roof. Mm -hmm. And in your own house, like that's just a bill, an extra bill. Whereas if I was in a rental and that was my landlord's roof, like whatever, my twenty or thirty dollars a month went to fixing that roof for me, right? Where he's saved that it's his problem or her problem. And so there's this savings, money savings of rental. Rent is cheaper than owning. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only benefit to owning is when you can rent it out and you get actually more cash into your pocket. Now, when you look at, when you look at monthly bills, yeah, sure, owning is cheaper. Mm-hmm. But the, the amount of work you have to put into it, the asset, the fact that it could always be taken away if you don't pay, especially in the time that's coming, mm-hmm. that makes it a massive risk. Now, ownership with somebody else in your building paying for you actually makes a ton of sense because of the value of the building, the building goes up in value. And with somebody else's job, somebody else's uh, payment holding it, it's no longer just you. So you can change those people out, maybe you lose a month or two of rent, but you can change those people out and now the asset's still going. Whereas if it's just your income, uh, unless you pull somebody in, right, that has hacking again, investing, then it's hard to hold those assets. Again, you know, our parents taught us, this goes back to um, that mentality of our parents, what they taught us, so they taught us, Work hard. They came here for the American dream and the American dream that was sold to them is own a home, work hard, blah, 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 and be free and all that good stuff. Um, The challenge is when you own a home, think about this for a minute and you touched on it. You own a home, you buy it and you have to go work. So I got a job at a factory or wherever or driving a school bus, teacher, professor, doctor, whatever I am. I got a job and now that roof breaks. It's my back that has to pay for that roof. Now that house is no longer an asset. That house is a liability if every time something breaks, I have to work to pay for it, right? Right. But when I have an asset like a rental, right? And now I can, my rent, if I'm renting, that asset is generating a thousand or $800 a month in positive cash flow after vacancy, maintenance, repairs, reserves, and all that good stuff, mortgage, net, net, right? Now that's $800 coming to me that I don't have to go earn, guys. See, that's a difference. I don't have to go bust my back like my mom and your mom and your dad did when they first came here. They went and they busted their backs to give us a better life. And they didn't know any better. They didn't know this stuff. (laughs) Think about that. You you got 10 of those. It's assets and liabilities, man. And it's, I got really passionate about this stuff. I love it. (laughs) It's like, it's, I, I didn't, I couldn't see it because I was sold on the idea of the American dream. And again, it takes an education. My brother, I know you got a meeting in a few and I, and I want to be respectful of that. How can people get a hold of you? Before, we, before you give them that information, I just want to, I want to give a quick recap of all, everything I caught, man, all the knowledge you shared. Um, but you said that the most dangerous thing is incorrect knowledge. And you put it in a different way, but you said so much, I, I tried, wrote it as fast as I can. So that's one of, the, one of the points I got from this interview. I mean, you gave so much. Um, you learned to work, you worked hard, you dropped out of college. Um, so guys, to be successful, I just wanna share with you, it just takes, a, it's a certain mindset. You gotta believe, you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta decide. So there's three things I say always. You gotta decide, you gotta commit, and you gotta take action, right? Start from, um, you said it starts from that one thought that you can be better. You had that one thought that you can be better when that guy came to you and said to you about those, the $3 million, the three, the three houses that were a million dollars. Um, and then you said something really important. You said you got a mentor that took you through it. And you are now that. You are now the mentor. 
right? Because that's what <laughs> happens. Someone helps you and then you become the one that helps others. You are now that mentor. Um, uh, you listen to that little voice inside. You also said you listen to that little voice inside um, that if it were easy, everyone else would be doing. And your dad taught you that. So guys, I just want to tell you, um, those of us that are first generation Latinos or whatever, whatever you are, sometimes it doesn't matter what, you know, what you are. But a lot of times we think our parents um, are not smart for whatever reason or whatever. But they, they're our parents for a reason. They've been on this earth longer than us. They know some things, no matter, by the virtue of their age, they know some things, doesn't matter the language, that we don't know. There's knowledge there that we can tap into. And um, your father gave you that. And um, find an asset that's cash flowing, is what my brother's saying here. Find assets that's cash flowing. That's how you're gonna prepare for the upcoming economy and what's coming ahead. My brother, thank you so much for your wisdom, your golden nuggets. So um, from Broke, show us that book again, Broke to a Quarter Million by, by Walter Amarelo, um, the real estate alchemist. How can people reach you, my brother, if they want to bring you on as their mentor, their coach? You are in the Boston area, correct? Yep. Um, I know that you, I don't know, are you doing, are you hosting the Real Meetups? I've seen some of your stuff on social media. Are you the host of your Real Meetups? Yep, so I'm the MC of the Boston Real Estate Investors Association here in Massachusetts. Uh, we have the largest RIA, the third largest attendance of all the RIAs in the country and a uh, proud member of the RIA. And I, we do, I train there two times a year and then every single month I'm in there uh, MCing, Master of Ceremonies. Awesome, awesome. Yep. So, so how can people get a hold of you? How can people get your book if they want to read your book? How can they get a hold of you if they want to connect with you, if they want to maybe talk to you about your programs and all the stuff you got going on tell us perfect so i'm always available on facebook just shoot me a message i always respond uh, broke to a quarter million you can buy on amazon uh, any bookstore and then as far as uh, my website getting mentorship and training we do a lot of free training go to gualteramorello.com forward slash live and sign up for our free saturday training event it's 52 weeks to wealth we teach the 52 principles to becoming a millionaire it takes about a year for us to go through it, but you can go back to the database. It's all online in Alchemist University. So GualterAmorello.com, go to the website, check out the blog, a lot of free information there. Uh, Alchemist University, you can log in there. And then our live events, uh, you can find out. We do everything via Zoom now, thanks to COVID. It's uh, made us more national and given everybody more opportunity. That's how me and Martin are hanging out right now. And I just want to say thank you, Martin, for giving me the opportunity. Uh, cheers to your success. I'm so impressed with what you've done. I'd like to have you on the Alchemist Insights podcast as well, and we can check it out and, and dive more into what you've done and created. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for being here. You are a wealth of knowledge, and we got to do this again soon, really, really soon. Thank you for listening to the Latinos in Real Estate Investing podcast, the top information hub for real estate investors and entrepreneurs within the Latino community. If you like to invest passively in real estate with our group, please email martin at premierridgecapital.com.